Welcome to an Impact Ministries production, brought to you by Impact Ministries World Changers, changing the way the world sees God. Learn how you can become a world changer today by visiting www.impactministries.com or drjimrichards.com. Now, here's your host, founder of Impact Ministries and developer of Heart Physics, the self-development program that changed thousands of lives around the world, Dr. Jim Richards. Hey, I'm Jim Richards. I want to welcome you to message number four in this series called Drawing Near. Drawing Near to God. I'm telling you, this is such an important series. This is so powerful uh, for you to really have knowledge of this and actually be able to operate faith when it comes to drawing near to God. Now, we've already discovered that in the Old Testament, the word the word that was used for offering, the word that had to do uh, with actually, you know, connecting with God. You, you know, we, we think that the Old Testament sacrifices, we think that they were actually uh, all just very legalistic, very, very ritualistic. And, and sadly, that is what so many people actually turn these things into. But the real truth is, uh, they were never, never, never meant uh, to be legalistic. They were never meant to be legalistic. They were, in fact, meant to be acts of faith. And really, the Old Testament sacrifices show us what Jesus did for us in the new covenant, what he did for us in his death, burial, resurrection, but also show us the very specifics of how to use our faith. Remember, there has never been a person that was made righteous before God of any way other than by faith. And so, uh, you know, you can't ever, ever, ever come to this place where you you think that the Old Testament was all about all about works and that the New Testament's all about faith? It, that is just not correct. That's what we've been taught all of our life. That's what religion would have us to believe. But I am telling you, you know, one of the greatest quotes I've ever heard about the the wealth of riches that's in the Old and New Testament is that the New Testament is in the Old Testament concealed, and the Old Testament is in the New Testament revealed. Man, I'm telling you, if you can get a hold of that, it's going to do something to your heart. It's going to open you up to be able to see things you actually never, never saw. You know, people quote the Apostle Paul all the time, and all these incredible insights that he had into the New Covenant, uh, and then they talk very negatively about, uh, you know, about the what we call the Old Testament. Well, the truth is, Everything that the Apostle Paul knew about the New Covenant, he knew it because it was in the Old Testament. Now, remember, there's a difference between the Old Testament and the Old Covenant. The old, there's the Old Covenant, and the covenant is a contract. It, it is the contract whereby you relate it to God, where, whereby you sought to have this relationship with God. There is a New Covenant. There's a new contract whereby today we seek to have a relationship with God. And, uh, and, and both, of these, both of these covenants actually work by faith. But in the old covenant, you had, to, you had to personally meet the terms of the contract. 
And uh, you, you, so you did this by living under the law. And by living under the law, you would meet the terms of the contract. In the new covenant, Jesus met the terms of the contract. And so you're not trying to live under the law. You're trying to trust and believe that you can live a new life in Jesus, that you can be born again. You can be baptized into his body. And basically, from that point forward, everything that you receive from God, everything that God shares with you, everything God gives to you, everything God does to you, he gives it to Jesus. And because you are in Jesus, you become a joint heir. I'm telling you, when you get that figured out, your faith gets so simple, it gets it gets so workable, the pieces start coming together in ways that you can't ever believe. So don't ever let anybody tell you the Old Testament is bad. Um, the real truth is we don't understand, you know, the Old Testament, the New Testament, there's no such thing. That is, that is a concept that was created in the minds of men who wanted to separate you from uh, one of the richest resources for understanding God that there is in the world. And, and the only thing greater than the Old Testament, so the word testament just means testimony. It's a testimony, a witness about what God did, how God interacted with people. And so, we, so what we call the Old Testament, the apostles call it the Scripture. And through the Scripture, they understood the testimony of who God was, what God had done for people, all the wonderful things that God had done, all the, all the things that went awry in, in people's relationships with God. In the New Testament, which again, these are total fallacies. These words have no place to ever be used in relationship to the Scripture because there's only been one testimony of God. It starts in Genesis. It ends in the book of Revelation. It's called the Bible. It's called His Word. And so um, uh, so, so we have the Scripture, which is starts in Genesis 1-1 and ends with the last word in the book of Revelation. And then we have the two covenants. And the, the old covenant is, is not wicked. It is not bad. There's nothing bad about it unless you reject Jesus and what he did for you and try to relate to God on the basis of the old covenant. And I'm, I'm, you know, even though I'll talk about the value of, of the Old Testament scriptures, I will never, never, don't ever misunderstand it to think I'm talking to you about putting yourself under the old covenant. We are under the new covenant, but we still have great value and great wisdom is drawn from what we, from what we call the old Testament scriptures. All right, man, that was a lot of introduction. Actually, I could do one entire series uh, on understanding the old Testament and versus the new Testament. So anyhow, one of the things that, one of the things that we are doing in this series is we are looking about, we're looking at the typology of the Old Testament and even the typology of the Old Covenant. In the Old Covenant, we had, we, we had things that were called types and shadows. There were a lot of different uh, words and phrases used to describe these things. And basically, they gave us a picture, an image, a drawing a way to understand something that was going to be seen fully in Jesus. Now, many people think you can reject the Old Testament and uh, and just read about what Jesus did and really have a full understanding of what he has given us. I tell you, you can't do it. Nobody has that much insight 
Um, but but at the same time, you can't go, you can't replace what what Jesus did with the Old Testament. It gets pretty paradoxical. You have to get into some multi-dimensional uh, types of, of thinking and processing information. But all that to say, man, God wants us to know who he is. He has provided ways to do this. So the Old Testament, they had the sacrifices. And every year, there were seven major sacrifices or festivals or feasts or, or offerings, if you will, that uh, people would go through. Every one of those sacrifices and feasts and offerings or whatever terminology you would choose to use, because the Bible uses all of those terminologies, every one of those were types that would show us what we actually have in Jesus. And in fact, we will never fully understand what we have in Jesus beyond the degree that we fully understand uh, what was taught and what the purpose of those types, those sacrifices, those offerings. So those sacrifices, basically in the Hebrew, the word that is used actually gets into the whole concept of, of drawing near. And so none of these sacrifices, and this is so very, very important, not one of these Old Testament slash Old Covenant sacrifices, not one of them was designed to get God to draw near to you. Because see, in Jesus, where all of this is fully expressed, we, we're never trying to get God to draw near to us. God has already drawn near to us through the Lord Jesus Christ. But instead, because we believe Jesus is the pathway, we believe he is the one and only way to draw near to God. You cannot draw near to God through any other religion. You cannot draw near to God through any other philosophy. You cannot draw near to God by doing anything that mankind comes up with. That's what religion is. Religion is approaching God based on the philosophies of human beings. Faith is approaching God based on the teachings and the philosophies of God himself. God says, God says, you want to know me? This is how you know me. You want to connect to me? You want to draw near to me? This is how you draw near to me. Now, all of the Old Testament sacrifices, uh, were designed to engage the heart. Many people think that all of those Old Testament sacrifices were basically legalistic in nature and that you, you obeyed all of the details of these sacrifices so that you could earn the right to get God to come and meet with you. That is, that is not what the scripture teaches. Uh, instead, the scripture teaches just the opposite that God has already initiated the way for you to meet with him. And he says, now I am here. You know, the scripture that says, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. That's, a, that's an Old Testament scripture. All of these scriptures we, we quote that are so wonderful, that are so full of promise and so full of peace. Almost all of them are Old Testament scriptures. You know, Jesus taught more out of the book of Deuteronomy than any book in the entire Bible. Now, the, the beauty of the book of Deuteronomy was the book of Deuteronomy was the one book of the Torah. And the Torah is what the Gentiles would call the Pentateuch. The Pentateuch the first five books of the Bible. And, uh, and so through the Pentateuch or the Torah, uh, basically you have the foundations of who God is. You have the foundations of everything. 
that you'll ever need to know to understand what the Messiah, the Lord Jesus Christ, is going to do and what he's going to provide through his death, burial, and resurrection, and ultimately even understand what he's going to do in his second coming where, where he comes back for us. And I don't know about you, man, that is so exciting to me to know. I don't have to just read the New Testament and have a mystical slash, you know, pseudo-spiritual experience to try to understand what these scriptures are talking about. I, I can go back to the Old Testament where they were first, where, where these scriptures were first quoted, where they were first stated, where they came out of God's mouth, and I can understand exactly what he was talking about because it shows me what he was talking about. So uh, I'll never leave you. On, actually, it says in the Old Testament, it says, I'll never leave you. I'll never fail you. I will never forsake you. That is an Old Testament scripture. And, and so even in the sacrifices, God was making it clear. You're not having to come to me and find some way to uh, influence me to come to you. That's not, that's not what's happening here. I am here. I'm never going to leave you. I'm never going to fail you. I'm never going to forsake you. I'm always there with forgiveness. I'm always there with mercy. I'm always there with loving kindness. And, uh, but the question is, are you there? And so even though legally we have, you know, the Bible says that we are justified. Now the word justified uh, is slightly different than than just the word righteous or righteousness, because uh, the word justified is more about to be declared righteous and to be positionally righteous. Now, when you know and believe, and and, and we are justified by faith. So when you know and believe that you have been declared righteous by God then, man, that is, a, that is an incredible, incredible, incredible leap of faith. But to be justified does not mean you have uh, experienced that righteousness. It doesn't mean that you're living a righteous life. It doesn't mean that you're walking this out. It doesn't mean that this is, that this is your life application. It doesn't mean this is the way you live. It just means that you know you are positionally and legally righteous as far as God is concerned. So this means that God's always going to treat you as if you are absolutely righteous. Why? Because he has legally declared you righteous and he has positionally declared you righteous as a result of being in the Lord Jesus. And so righteousness, you know, being declared righteous helps me in my relationship with God. It helps me in my connection with God. It helps me in everything that's going to, that's going to occur between uh, me and God. But in fact, it doesn't really help me in my life. It doesn't make my quality of life any better. It doesn't make my marriage any better. It doesn't make me a better father. It doesn't make me a better friend. It doesn't make me a better minister. It doesn't make me a better employee or a better employer. Because being declared righteousness does not change my life. We have this concept about faith righteousness of where we actually believe that that we just suddenly become a better person because we have been declared righteous. You know, that's like saying that you become a better husband just because you get a marriage license. No, not so. If you're dishonest, if you cheat, if you lie, if you're immoral, if you're gonna, you know, if you're if you're going to treat your spouse wrong, that doesn't change just because you get a license declaring that you are legally married. 
And so likewise, you know, when we come to Jesus and we discover that we have been declared righteous, we have been we have been made legally righteous, many people are going to attempt to uh, use that in an unhealthy way. And I am not saying that uh, being declared righteous promotes that. We need to know we've been declared righteous. We need to know that we are positionally in uh, in Christ. Therefore, we are in his righteousness. But justification leads to a process that the Bible calls sanctification. And now sanctification is when we, by our own choice, choose to set ourselves apart. We set ourselves apart from something, and we set ourselves apart unto something. And so uh, we set ourselves apart from unrighteousness, and we set ourselves apart unto righteousness. Well, people say, well, you can't do that because you're already in Jesus. You're already righteous. Well, you're already righteous. But again, it does not mean you have committed yourself to it. It doesn't mean that's the way of life that you intend to live. It doesn't mean that's the way of life that you embrace. It doesn't, it doesn't mean anything about how you're going to live and whether or not it's going to benefit your life. But whenever we choose sanctification, now we're sanctified in Jesus. We're in him, so we're already set apart. But the question is, will I participate in it? And that is determined by the beliefs of my heart. This, this is so very important. You will not experience in this life anything that you do not believe in your heart. Uh, up until that point, it is just legal information. And thank God that we've got that information because that is the starting place of this, of this journey of faith righteousness that we make. But it is not the totality of the righteousness of our righteousness it is not the expression of righteousness in our life so so by the same token we have been made near to god through the blood of the lord jesus christ in other words through what he did through his sacrifice now we live at a time when people are trying to say that jesus didn't really have to die because god really never was mad he never really had wrath i got news for you uh to believe that, you have got to tear hundreds of pages out of your Bible, and you've got to call God a liar. God has never hated the sinner, but God has always hated the sin. And the reason he hates the sin is because of the pain and the suffering that it brings into our lives. Basically, sin, you know, one of the best words to understand sin uh, uh, is self-destruction. Sin is just when we think, feel, believe, act, do things that actually produce self-destruction and the destruction of, of the people around us. But uh, God has given us all the resources we need in Jesus to avoid all that, and we can choose by believing something in our heart we can choose righteousness as a way of life, not just as a legal standing, not just as a position uh, before God. So, you know, today we're talking about draw near without fear. You know, the Bible tells us, and Hebrews, the fourth chapter, and I won't read all, but basically it tells us that, that you know, uh, Jesus, he has he's faced every temptation that we have faced. He has gone through every situation we'd ever gone through, and the difference is, between him and us, is he has won every one of those. But here is the great thing. Even though uh, it, even though he has had all these temp temptations, and uh, he says, it says in verse uh, 15 of Hebrews 4, it says that he can sympathize with our weaknesses. Man, I don't know about you, but that gives me a lot of hope. 
See, sometimes you kind of get this idea that because God's holy, because God is perfect, because God is righteous, you, you kind of get this idea that I'm kind of sickening to God. As a matter of fact, people will make you believe that the second coming of the Lord Jesus and the seven-year tribulation that happens at the end at the end of this era of of, of history that that we now know uh, is basically a time where God just gets so sick of the world he can't stand us and so he finally pours this wrath out on the world to to punish us and to perfect us and make us deal with our sin. None of that is what the Bible actually teaches. Uh, the truth is, the last seven-year tribulation, three, the first three and a half years of that is the tribulation of the Antichrist, and, and it's all of the horrible things that the anti-God uh, establishment, anti-God governments, anti-God religions, what they will bring upon the world, what they will do, the suffering they will bring upon the world, and they will try to influence us to believe that that's God doing that when, in fact, it is not God doing it. It is uh, wicked human beings. Everything everything that's happening right now in our world and everything that's going to happen that fits into the prophetic uh, words of the Scripture is caused by man. But anyhow, uh, the great thing is, is the book of Revelation is not a revelation about about the wrath of God. It is a revelation about Jesus still being our Savior, even in the midst of, uh, in, in the midst of all of this wickedness. And a lot of people are going to forsake their own mercies because they're not going to, they're not going to realize that this is the that this that Jesus is going to deliver us from that situation. But anyhow, so so uh, the writer of Hebrews says, look, he can sympathize with our weaknesses. So what we need to be able to do, based on that. We need to come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Well, I'm telling you, so he's talking about weaknesses. Well, I don't know about you, but, you know, my weakness and my greatest time of need is when I'm about to sin or when I've already sinned. It's when I'm about to do something self-destructive or when I've already done something self-destructive. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm deceiving myself into believing that this destructive decision that I'm getting ready to make is really going to get me what I want, or I've already done it and I'm deceiving myself into, uh, into thinking that God is, that God is doing this to me. And, but when I come to the throne of grace, uh, I actually, I come to the mercy seat. I, you know, I just love this so very, very much. When you when you get to the core of who God is now, almost all of my life, you got to realize uh, me and Andrew Walmack and one other guy, we were the pioneers of the grace message uh, uh, that is sweeping the entire world right now. And uh, I, you know, I was the first one that that wrote a book about it. I was the first one that uh, took it to the international community, and so we we have been preaching this thing about grace for decades and we were the ones that pioneered this this message and so i want you to understand something we have something to say about it that people need to be listened to the sad thing is what is being pushed out right now is not necessarily the grace message from a biblical point of view it, it's, it's a whole different definition of grace but anyhow i don't want to go into all that but the point is this I would have said for decades that when you get to the core of who God is, what you're going to find is love uh, and mercy. 
Well, you know something, and I, listen, I probably, I probably taught that for about 40 years. I was one of the pioneers, one of the first people to, to teach this all over the world. God is love and what this means and the value of love. I still embrace all of that. But you have to understand something. When you get to the core of who God is, you don't find him. Uh, uh, the, the, you don't find that the core of who he is is love and mercy. You find that the core of who he is is righteousness because the Bible teaches us that that God is righteous in declaring us righteous through the Lord Jesus. In other words, if God, after what Jesus has done for us, if in fact he did not declare us righteous, then the real truth is uh, he wouldn't be righteous. He would be dishonest. He would be a liar. He would be denying himself. He would be denying the Lord Jesus Christ. And so his righteousness, which is the core, you know, if we don't understand the righteousness of God, we will always come up with a wrong definition of grace. We'll always come up with a wrong definition of faith. We'll always have a wrong definition of mercy. We'll always have a wrong definition of love. We'll always have a wrong definition of morality. We will always have a wrong definition of justice. And we will think that we are right on track with God. No, it all starts with righteousness. And, you know, I, you can go back to, I think, the last series that I taught on faith righteousness. And there's about 10 free videos on here that you can get, as well as an audio series that supports this if you want to, if you want to dive into this. And 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 check it out but it's because he is righteous that when we come to him we do find him sitting on what's called a mercy seat and this mercy seat is where we obtain grace it's where we obtain mercy it's where we obtain forgiveness but that mercy seat is enthroned on uh what's called the holy of holies uh, and and or not the holy of holies, but is is actually enthroned on uh, uh, the ancient gold covered box, uh, wherein is stored uh, the the commandments of God, and so the the ability to have uh, grace, the ability to have mercy, all of this is contingent upon the righteousness that we discover in the word of God. And, and so uh, we can't go into that now. You need to go back and listen to the series. If you want to understand righteousness, you want to understand how that has to do with grace and mercy and love and kindness and forgiveness and all that kind of stuff. But here's the deal. Here's, here's what we got to get into. I've only got another minute or so. And then and I will, listen, I will be diving into this more next week. Uh, trust me, I've got plenty to offer on this. But this is where we, this is where we start realizing that that we come and we get to receive grace as God defined it, not the way we define it. We get to receive mercy as God defined it, not as we define it. We don't even have a, most people do not even hold a biblical definition of forgiveness. We have a definition, but it's not the biblical definition of forgiveness. So when we come to the throne of God, we get to experience love, grace, mercy, kindness, forgiveness, all of these things as God defines them through his righteousness, not through our humanistic, religious, goofy concepts. And so because of that, remember, God is righteous. He is just and righteous in the fact that he declares us righteous and gives us mercy and forgiveness and love and all these things. So, so if he denies those things, he has 
denied himself. And this is so very, very interesting. So, you know, what, what we're going to discover is that when we believe the truth about who God is and what he is offering, we have the opportunity to come to him in our time of need and we can draw near with absolutely no fear of how he's going to react to us. Now, next week, I'm going to be diving into this thing about talking about the fear of God, uh, the unhealthy fear of God, the healthy fear of God, talking about this and what it means to draw near without the fear. So, all right, be sure and share this with somebody. Be sure and like this and uh, connect to the link. And I will talk to you again next week. Blessings to you. Thanks for listening to the Weekly Impact Ministries World Changers Podcast with Dr. Jim Richards. If you like what you've just heard, we encourage you to share our web address, www.impactministries.com or drjimrichards.com with friends and colleagues. Be sure to check out the resources section of our website from previous broadcasts and our videos. Join us next week for another great message by Dr. Jim Richards.